Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around. Snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Ray McDaniel. Ray McDaniel is a non-binary therapist, certified sex therapist, coach, and transgender diversity and inclusion educator. Ray's debut book, Gender Magic, Live Shamelessly, Reclaim Your Joy, and Step Into Your Most Authentic Self is available now, and I'm so excited to have them on the show so we can talk all about it. Hi, Ray. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, I am so excited to be back. I know, me too. I was looking at when was it that we spoke the first time? It's been a few years. It has. I think it was 2021, maybe. Yeah. It's been a minute. Gosh, hearing you say that, it's crazy that a few years ago was after 2020. Like, I feel like 2020 is the new BC, right? Like, it is. (laughs) It's so weird. A hundred percent. Yeah. You can catch that episode. It was episode 276, listeners, if you want to go back and listen to that one. And you, my friend, have been busy since then. I'm so excited. A little bit. Yeah. To talk about your new book, tell us a little bit about the inspiration to write it. Absolutely. So Gender Magic came about because as a therapist and as a non-binary person myself, I was really frustrated that pretty much all the literature that I was seeing Most of the research studies, a lot of the books and media about trans folks was centered on trans suffering. Mm. And we know that that's important, right? That our stories are important to tell. Those stories are very real. And I wanted to know the other side of the coin. What does it mean for trans and non-binary folks to thrive? And how could I, as a therapist, help them do that? So I, I started digging into my client work and research studies and books and all these different arenas, psychology, obviously, but also these other areas like education, human-centered design, and gender magic is what came out of it. So it's a self-help book that is meant to help everyone, regardless of their gender identity, explore ideas around gender freedom. And what does it mean to live your life as the most lit up, biggest version of yourself? I love that you are leaning into the celebration of gender, right? Because especially as somebody who isn't like, I don't have a lot of, and you know me, you just let me know if the languaging is weird or awkward, but I don't have a lot of gender exploration happening in my little unit. And so as a person that is a little bit on the outside looking in, the stories of the suffering and the stories of the pain and the closeting, like that's really what we hear about so much. And I feel like this book that you've created offers someone like me such a more expansive view and understanding of people who are on the gender spectrum. Is that an appropriate way to say on the gender spectrum? I think, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I might be just inventing my own language here too, right? I hope you're open to that. Yeah, cool. I'm all about inventing language. It was meant to be invented. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. And my listeners are, as you know, parents of teens and tweens. And there are a lot of parents in my community 
who have kids that identify as transgender or non-binary and a lot of parents who don't but have kids who are in school with or in relationship with kids mm -hmm. that are identifying as transgender or non-binary. And I am so excited to have you on because I want to offer support to all parents to better understand their kids that are on the gender journey and also to understand you know, the kids down the road or the kids next door or the kids that are at the high school or the middle school. Can you share a little bit more? So I spoke in your bio about your work as a therapist. Can you talk a little bit more mm -hmm. about the people that are walking in the door to see you that you work with? Absolutely. So I want to start off with the caveat that I see people who are 18 years old and older. So I am not a parenting expert. But what I am is a non-binary person who does work a lot with people who are exploring gender. So from that frame, not as a parenting expert, mm -hmm. but as someone who's been around the block when it comes to gender, I can offer some things for parents. I tend to work with people, well, there's kind of two buckets. So one would be a transgender person, a non-binary person, someone who is exploring gender in some way. Often I get them when they're pretty early in the process and kind of walk through that entire journey alongside them. The other bucket of people that I work with more in my educational work and my speaking work are people who are allies, mm -hmm. people who want to support the transgender people in their lives. Maybe it's their kids. Maybe it is, you know, a client or a patient or a colleague. So those are generally the two buckets that I work the most with. And what are you finding with the people that you're working with who want to support the transgender non-binary people in their life? What are the biggest hurdles for them? I think the first one is really basic, which is habit. And in particular, vocal habits and in the way that we think about gender. Mm -hmm. Now, our brains are really smart the majority of the time, and they categorize things. That is absolutely normal and natural. It's how we know that a Great Dane and a Chihuahua are both dogs, right? We categorize them as dogs. When it comes to gender, our brains have gone into habits of what we think it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, or what even non-binary means. So the first hurdle is helping people get a little bit of room in their brain to consider that the way they've always thought about gender may not be the most expansive or the most scientifically accurate. The second part would be the vocal habits. Mm -hmm. We're used to gendering things willy-nilly, things that absolutely have no gender, like earplugs or pins or, you know, walk around Target and you'll find lots of examples of this. And when it comes to pronouns, that is one of the biggest barriers that people have and all that is is habit. We are used to calling a certain person by a certain set of pronouns, and those might change, and we have to build new vocal habits. Or we're used to seeing a person who maybe has a beard and immediately going to he, him pronouns just out of habit. Mm -hmm. So it's really just about slowing down and allowing yourself to build new thought and vocal habits. Yeah. So one of my business partners at Sproutable, which is the company that I'm a part of, her child is non-binary. And I was talking to her as I was creating this outline with you because I wanted to be really just respectful and have her help me see where my blindness was. And we were talking about pronouns and how it can, like on one hand, I think there's people who are just like, I'm not doing that, right? So yeah, we're not going to worry about them. We have the bad actors in the world. Right. You know? And then there's the people that just feel like it's really hard. And what Alana said, she says, but Case, you know, it's not that hard to not assume. I mean, when we find a wallet on the ground and we take it into a shop and we say, I found this wallet, I'm going to leave it with you so that whoever's wallet it is, they can pick it up. Like we're not assuming about who the wallet belongs to and we're not assuming the gender of the person. And so she was like, Case, it's already in us to not assume. It's just a new context of not assuming. And that was really helpful to me. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. One of the things that people say is the hardest are gender neutral pronouns, they, them, mm -hmm. right? 
But we use those words as gender neutral pronouns all the time without ever thinking about it. You know, we say to someone, hey, I ran into Sally at the store and they said they were having a barbecue on Saturday. Mm -hmm. These are words that we use a lot. It's just like you're saying, a different context. Mm -hmm. But it isn't that hard when you're able to slow down and let yourself breathe mm -hmm. and not panic about saying the wrong thing. I believe in people's ability to evolve their language. I mean, for goodness sake, yeah. a lot of us, when we think about words like TikTok 10 years ago, it meant a clock. Mm -hmm. And now it means something totally different. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I mean, things are changing all the time. Your book is called Gender Magic. I read it at the start. Live shamelessly, reclaim your joy, and step into your most authentic self. I love the subtitle. I mean, thank you. I feel like that subtitle is for all of us, right? It's just Agreed. like what a world we would live in if that was the compass and the mantra that we all, you know, pointed in the direction we want to go. Talk about like, how did you come up with that subtitle? Well, the very practical answer is there was a mishmash of words and possible phrases mm -hmm. and me and my editor did a little puzzling. But the deeper reason is exactly what you're speaking to, that living shamelessly, reclaiming your joy and stepping into your most authentic self, that is what I want for all of us. Mm -hmm. That's the world that I want to live in. And my work right now is applying that directly to gender freedom. Mm -hmm. Now, the alternative title of the book that we were going to name it was Transition Isn't the Point. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because it speaks to this part, right? That gender freedom and transitioning gender, transgender people generally, the point is not gender transition. The point is that they get to live shamelessly mm -hmm. with joy and as their most authentic self. And that is a beautiful thing. And as parents, I know that every single person listening to your podcast wants that for their kids. Mm -hmm. And this is one way that their kids may be expressing that or exploring what it means to be their authentic self shamelessly and with joy. And really what better world is there to live in than that? Yeah. Well, and as I listen to you talk too, I'm thinking about all of you listening and how it's all good to want that for your child, but how about we lift up and want that for every child? Yes, right? please. Yeah, because it's, you know, shame doesn't live in a vacuum. It doesn't. Oh, it does not. Yeah. It's an interpersonal dynamic. And I feel like a lot of my work, it is parenting, but really it's personal growth, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we get into the adolescent years, if we haven't figured that out, it's a crash course <laughs> and we can either resist or not, right? But I feel like, you know, there's so many subtle ways that we message our disapproval, our disappointment. You know, even when we have the best of intentions and the right language, mm -hmm. like our face tells a story, our body tells a story, our energy tells a story. And I just hope that all of you that are listening are paying attention to that because we spoke about this the last time you were on. You know, the statistics for our transgender youth are horrible as far as their mm -hmm. mental health and well-being. And again, that's not just because they're transgender. That is because of the messaging they're getting about who they are as their authentic selves. So listeners, I'm really challenging you to start to pay more attention to the messages that you're giving to your kids about other kids, about them, about your beliefs. I interviewed Dr. Shafali earlier this year. She's a parenting guru that I love. And she talks about how our love for our kids needs to be greater than our lack of understanding or our religious beliefs or societal whatever messaging. Our love for our kids needs to be in the center, right? And Amen. all of our kids need to feel accepted for who they are today as they are in the wobble of just being fucking adolescents. I mean, that is in and of itself really hard. But then being yeah. on the journey of better understanding of themselves, their gender, and their identity, like 
if no one else in the world is saying, I love you, I love you inside of this journey, I love you today, tomorrow, next year, forever, if no one else but their parents are saying that, then that's increasing the likelihood that their health and well-being is going to be stronger and healthier. Yes. I'm so glad that you said that. And yeah, the research shows that one of, I would say, even the strongest mitigating factor for a lot of mental health concerns for suicide in transgender adolescents is a supportive family environment. Mm. It makes such a difference and it cannot be overstated how much of a difference that makes. One thing that is sticking out to me as you're talking is this idea that it's not just about getting the words right. It's about what you believe Mm -hmm. and how that is coming across to your kids, to their friends, to any adolescent or tween that they're coming into contact with. A lot of that starts with this fundamental belief that gender magic talks about a lot as a core premise, that exploring gender is simply a part of Mm self-growth for all of us or it should be mm-hmm. at the very, very least, regardless of whether you are, are transgender or cisgender or exploring, it is a good thing. It is a natural thing to question, who am I and how do I want to show up in the world? Mm-hmm. Which at the end of the day, it's all gender is. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And many of us are blind to our blindness, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we identify with and exist in a world that really favors and exists for white, cis, straight, able-bodied people. Yep. So what are some of the limiting beliefs, right, or the blindnesses that gender 
non-conforming folks identify and work towards dismantling? Like, how is it? And I'm speaking directly to your experience because you have the lived experience. Help me and the listeners become more aware of that experience for you living inside of this container that, you know, didn't tick all your boxes. Yeah. It's such a good question. It's such a one that I could talk about forever. So I'm trying to think what would be kind of some main points here. I think one of them, as I was exploring my own non-binary identity, or at the very beginning, just questioning it, was this idea and the general narrative of transgender folks that you just hate yourself, Mm. right? That there's this deep set belief that you're in the wrong body, that you hate your body, that you have a lot of self-loathing. That is true for some people, right? That is some people's experience, but it wasn't mine. And one of the things that I had to dismantle very, very early on was this idea that I had to hate myself in order to be myself. That no longer makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I never hated my body. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate who I was, but my assigned gender as a woman, as a female, ultimately felt too confining. Mm. I didn't feel like it fully reflected who I am and how I wanted to express myself in the world. And so that is where my expansion into a non-binary identity ultimately came from. Another thing that I had to dismantle is gender looks a particular way. And I think we can grasp this when we're talking about the kind of the box, right? The quote unquote checkbox of male or female and how that is supposed to look. But even as a non-binary person, there is this image of what a non-binary person looks like that is thin, white, able-bodied. We can picture that. If you Mm -hmm. Google it, you'll see it. Mm -hmm. And that is not what non-binary means. You know, non-binary means that you don't feel that you fit into either checkbox It usually is something that comes with fluidity and flexibility of identity. And for me, I got top surgery in 2021, I believe, late 2021. And since then, I've had to dismantle what it means to be non-binary as I tap back into more feminine parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been a really beautiful part of my journey is I felt very constricted for a while in identifying as non-binary and needing to put on this kind of ultra-masculine face Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to relax quite a bit more into just showing up in the way that feels good for me. Some days that's wearing makeup and being a little bit more feminine. And other times it's, you know, being a little bit more masculine and, you know, butching it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that idea of gender looking one particular way I believe that that is a barrier that most of us have to undo in our life to really fully understand what it means to be trans or non-binary. Another piece that needed to be dismantled in myself and that I have worked with many, many people to dismantle is the idea of a transgender identity being a burden on others. Now, you talked about people finding it hard to get new language down. And that may be true, but ultimately it is not harming them in any way to learn some new language, to respect someone for who they are. It's not a burden on anybody, even if it requires some practice. What is a burden is having to shove down parts of yourself to make other people comfortable. Mm. That actually is harm. Mm. There's so many things that you're talking about in the gender exploration and identity experience, like there's such a big deal being made right now. I just want to speak for all the people saying, sorry, sorry, everything's so fucked up. It is. It's bad. I mean, uh, but there's so much inside of what you're saying that is like a human experience. Absolutely. It's all human experience. And I feel like when people start to understand that, like there's a person I don't know if they're in Olympia or in Seattle, but for a while they were meeting a transgender person for coffee. And it was an open invitation to the community just in the effort of like, hey, look, I'm not just some person on the TV 
that people are afraid of. I'm an actual human being. And when you get to know someone, you get to expand your understanding of somebody else's experience. And so, yeah, I mean, even inside of the boxes, there's so much. And talking about feminine and masculine energy, we all carry feminine and masculine energy. Even if we live inside of a cisgender experience, there is some fluidity inside of how we are showing up and how much we're leaning into our feminine energy and how much we're leaning into our masculine energy. And I just am really appreciating you explaining this in your experience. And what I'm finding really easy, it is to find the places of commonality just in my experience as well. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. You know, we all get handed this quote unquote manual when we're born of what it means to be a man or a woman. And whether you are trans or whether you are cis, that doesn't fit everyone. Yeah. And when we're talking about gender exploration, it's not just for trans people. It's for cis people too to say, how do I want to show up in the world? And is the way I'm told I must show up in the world actually the most authentic for me? And maybe it is. But even if it is, you get to consciously choose that instead of it being an automatic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So let's talk a little bit more about your book. So it has three sections, play, pleasure, and possibility. Talk to us a little bit about those overarching themes. Why were they important to you? So when I was putting together Gender Magic, and even previous to that, Gender Magic's backbone is a peer-reviewed journal article that I put out that has the same pillars. When I was looking at all my clients, when I was doing the research that I was doing, these were the three pillars that stood out to me that I was talking about to my clients all the time and that brought the biggest transformation for them. Play is all about how do we explore gender in a way that doesn't feel so serious, that doesn't feel like a slog through the mud. How can we bring in play and fun and experimenting with how we show up with names, with pronouns in a way that actually feels like we're moving towards something versus away from something that we fear. Pleasure. I'm a sex therapist. I talk a lot about pleasure and intimacy and relationships. And I found that pleasure is such an essential part of getting to know ourselves and getting to know how do we want to have intimacy and relationship with others. And for the trans folks that I was working with, there is often a disconnect between their brain and their body. You know, they don't always feel super connected to their body. And that's something that I resonated with, not only as a trans person, but somebody who has a chronic illness and chronic pain. Mm. I haven't always felt connected to my body in that way. So pleasure is all about, yes, you know, sexual and romantic pleasure. Sure, that's important. And that is in there. But even more importantly, this base level of what feels good in my skin? Mm -hmm. What do I like? What brings me pleasure? Because when we're able to tap into that, really what we're doing is tapping into our intuition. Mm -hmm. We're tapping into that gut, yes. And the more we are able to notice when we feel that gut level yes to something, the more it becomes a compass for making decisions in our lives. And then possibility is about, well, what's next? I talked about gender transition not being the point. Then what is? The point is freedom, freedom to blank. Mm -hmm. And the last section of possibility helps people imagine what their life could look like in a very different way, in a way that is rooted in pleasure and that joy and play. Yeah. I love those overarching themes. And I'm wondering, because I'm thinking about parents and one of the many things that we get to navigate and hold space for with our teens is their sexual development. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, I don't know if this is in your wheelhouse or not, but I'm curious about best practices. Like, how do we have conversations? Because, you know, more and more, there 
you know, which I love. And we talked about this last time. Gen Z is killing it. I freaking love Gen Z. And especially in the little pocket of the world that I live in that is super liberal and amazing. You know, kids are coming out and they are expressing their gender identity. And as a parent, you know, are there some best practices around how to hold space for their, you know, simultaneous, and I realize for the people in the back who maybe don't know this, like gender and sexuality, those are two different things, everyone. Mm-hmm. And we've got these little beings who are figuring things out gender-wise and are simultaneously moving through their sexual development. As a cisgender parent, what are the best things we can do to support them through their process that might, I mean, actually, I'm just sitting here like, I don't even know. Maybe it's not as complicated as I'm making it in my head. But one, I would think I don't want them to get hurt. I also don't want my Mm -hmm. cisgender kids to get hurt. So that's similar, but it feels like there's a extra layer of fear for their safety as they explore relationship as teenagers. What are your thoughts about that? Help me. (laughs) Help me help others. (laughs) Yes. Number one, again, I'm not a expert on parenting and child development. Right. And there are definitely some things in there that I think are really juicy that I would love to dig into. One is that what you'd be exploring with a child or a teenager regarding their sexuality, if it is a teenager who's also exploring gender identity, it's really roughly the same as you would with a cisgender child. Some questions that I find really helpful or some frames that I find really helpful are open-ended questions, helping them learn what it feels like in their body to experience pleasure Mm -hmm. and also to experience safety. Mm -hmm. So as you're exploring or talking with your kid about these things, and especially if you're worried about their safety, which is super real for all kids, but especially transgender teens, you know, there are high rates of violence. We know this Mm -hmm. is how do you know when you're safe? What does safety feel like in your body? What does it feel like when you get a spidey sense that maybe you aren't safe? What are some context clues of this might not be a safe environment to go into, or this is not somebody that feels like a safe person for me? How do you know that someone is unsafe? But also the very, very important flip side of that question, how do you know someone is? What does it feel like? when you are safe in your body. Ah, that gave me the chills. Oh, Thank good. Thank you for taking us to the flip side because I think we get so focused on like situational awareness. Like how is it dangerous out there? Yes, to be able to also identify like this is what feels good. This is what feels safe. Yes, absolutely to that. You know, tapping into your yes and understanding when your intuition is saying, yes, this is safe. Yes, this is good. Yes, this is pleasurable. Mm -hmm. That is a much stronger clue that actually gets your brain into even more of your thinking brain, your your front prefrontal cortex than being in that hypervigilant, I'm afraid, my no space. Mm -hmm. That space is important when we get into an actual crisis situation, of course. And when it comes to navigating the world, that yes, I think is even more important. And kind of to piggyback off of that, more questions like what does safety feel like in your body around pleasure? You know, what does it feel like when someone is making your body feel good? Mm -hmm. How do you know that? How do you know if you're a yes to doing this activity or not, or yes to this person or not? Helping them develop that internal compass is going to be the best tool that, that you're able to impart upon your kiddos. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. 
but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I feel like these questions have two really important outcomes. One is parents typically assume that their teenagers are clueless. And they're they not, they're not, they're not as clueless <laughs> as we would like to believe. And so when we ask questions like these, we as the parent get to broaden our perspective of the savviness of the kid in front of us, which mm-hmm. I love. It's the same kind of conversation that I've had with my kids about like online predators. And I'm like, okay, how do you know? And they just roll their eyes at me and they're like, mom, I'm like, we've been doing this since the start, you know, like here's uh-huh. all the things that we look for. Here's how we know. And it was like, oh, I get to calm down. I get to quell that fear, right? And same with the questions that you're talking about asking our kids. But the other thing too is I love how, when we call them curiosity questions in positive discipline, curiosity questions start to connect those dots where for the kids who haven't intentionally explored, when do I feel safe? Beyond just living inside of the experience, they, we get to kind of lift them up and out of the experience so that they can fine tune that which is already happening for them. I love that answer. I really appreciate that. And I'm wondering too, I don't even know if this is a question to ask, but like, I'm really curious about, and maybe we just answered this, but I live in a world where my assumption is everybody's straight, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would like to be enlightened. Like, what is the experience when you're not a straight person and you're moving through the world, paying attention to where you're feeling attraction while simultaneously, is there this also piece around like, are they or aren't they? (laughs) Like, You know what I'm talking about? Like, how does it feel to be in the minority, right? Moving through the world, looking for your partner, right? Or being open to Mm -hmm. the possibility of meeting someone. What is that like? Because I don't know. Ooh, juicy question. I feel like a lot of it is a spidey sense. Okay. So of course, even as a a queer person, as a trans person, I can't always tell when somebody Mm -hmm. is queer or trans, but the majority of the time I can. Okay. What is really interesting to me is even before I came out as queer, Mm -hmm. even to myself, even before I came out as trans, even to myself, the people that I surrounded myself with were the people who a lot of them have grown with me Mm -hmm. in those ways. A lot of them came out later in life or I was already, before I was even out to myself, hanging out with a majority of gay people Mm -hmm. in my life. There is something there that, you know, I'm not a religious person and not even a very spiritual one, but there is something about like you recognize yourself mm-hmm. and other people mm-hmm. even before you can name it. And I think about, I don't know if you've read the graphic novel Fun Home or seen the musical, but there in the musical and in the graphic novel, there is this experience of the young person who is assigned female at birth 
who's very young, like, you know, seven, eight years old, probably, who sees a butch lesbian for the first time. And the song is all about, I know you, Mm -hmm. I recognize you. I don't know why, and I don't know why I'm drawn to you, but there's something in you that pulls to me. And I think that is true. And that happens now. And you do develop a pretty good spidey sense around what is this person's deal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, we find our people, don't we? We find our people. Yeah. And I think that question just comes from a place of wanting our kids to find their people. Yeah. Right. And there are so many people out there for them. Mm. And I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to remember is that the queer and trans community is robust. We're everywhere. And there are so many opportunities wherever you are to truly find those people that resonate with you and that you resonate with. Mm. What do you want parents to know about teens that are exploring their gender? I want them to know that this is a good thing. A lot of parents, I think, get very caught up in the fear cycle of, I don't understand this. What is this going to mean for their life? Are they going to you know, die alone? Are they going to have friends? Are they going to be in danger? And not that all of those things need to be completely dismissed, but the thing that I would want people to really focus on is, wow, your kid is exploring this really important part of themselves. They are exploring what it means to be authentically themselves in the world. And that may shift and change over their lifetime. And that is fine, Mm -hmm. just like any other kind of self-growth. But at the end of the day, what a beautiful opportunity you have as a parent to be a partner in them finding who they are and an advocate for them being able to be who they are everywhere that they want to be. Mm. That is an amazing gift Mm. that you are given. Yeah, that's just such a powerful offer for all of us that are raising teenagers right now. Because, I mean, exploration is the name of the game. Individuation, exploration, and Mm -hmm. again, coming back to that conversation around the messages and the shame and the disappointment or the confusion or, you know, whatever it is that's coming up for you, parents that are listening around your teen's current you know, whatever the challenge is for you right now to accept about your teenager, know that whatever they're moving through, you're going to influence towards a better outcome if you can be inside of acceptance and love and showing up for them and advocating for them. So I really appreciate that. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to fully understand it either. In order to advocate, in order to be excited about their self-discoveries, you don't have to have all the answers to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's so important. I'm glad that you said that. I had a client once who just kept saying, but Casey, I just don't get it. I just don't get like, I'm super open-minded and I thought I was ready for anything, but this you know, pronoun thing and this gender thing, I just don't understand it. And she was really stuck. And I finally said, listen... You know, in our household, we navigated mental health. We navigated really intense social anxiety, which I have never had one drop of in my life. That has never been something (laughs) that I have had to navigate. Now, had I needed to fully understand the experience of social anxiety before I could accept that it was a challenge or something my daughter was going through, I mean, it would have damaged our relationship. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have been able to get her what she needed to thrive and move forward. And so I brought that up to her. Like, And so, you know, to everybody that's listening who's still sitting inside of, yeah, but I just don't get it. You don't have to. <laughs> All you no. need to do is love and accept your kiddo. Exactly. Yeah. And in Gender Magic, I use the analogy of space and the cosmos. You know, we certainly do not understand space and the cosmos and all there is to know about it. That doesn't stop us from looking up at the stars and being in awe of it Mm -hmm. or looking at Mm -hmm. the satellite photos and saying, wow, that is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We can experience awe and happiness and joy without understanding everything about it. Yeah. If you had a magic wand and you could create a more equitable world for future humanity, 
what would you see? So many things. When it comes to gender, I would want to see really what we've been talking about this whole episode, which is a world in which it is celebrated when someone is defining more of who they are, when they are discovering more about what it means to be themselves in regards to their gender and how they want to express that to the world, where we all have the freedom to be ourselves without shame and without fear. That's the world that I want to live in. Yeah. I'm just really loving the celebration, right? Like I'm loving the fact that, well, I'm loving parts of 2023, right? I love that (laughs) there is this openness and that it seems as though the box is being cracked open sooner. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the experience, what I'm assuming, I'm guessing, the experience of living inside of a box that doesn't fit you, or I think about like wearing a jacket that's too small mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, it just breaks my heart. I love that there is ever more freedom and acceptance, or even if the acceptance isn't there, Gen Z's like, I don't really give a shit. I'm busting out of this <laughs> coat. I'm busting out of this box. Yep. I love that. I love that. And also acknowledging how threatening that seems to be to some really vocal parts of, well, in our country and all around the world. Yeah. Right. How can we be better advocates and allies? We, you know, parents, cisgendered people, how can we be part of pushing back against the pushback right now? Well, you said it, the opposition and the anti-trans folks are very loud. They are very persistent and they are very loud. So if we want to push back against them, we also have to be very persistent and very loud. So that means getting into the schools and making sure that the trans kids are safe there. It might mean talking to neighbors or colleagues, you know, whatever it is, having these conversations about Let's change the narrative to one where gender exploration is celebrated. Having conversations where you're debunking myths and fears that people may have. You know, there is a ton of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. It means calling and writing to your legislators, getting involved or supporting organizations that are doing the very, very important legal work that is happening right now to protect trans people generally, but especially trans kids, all of those are ways on a kind of medium level that you can start advocating in a way that actually makes a huge difference. On a personal level, whether it's your kids who are exploring gender or your kids' friends, I think the statistic is now like one in four Gen Zers are identify not as the gender that they were assigned at birth or exploring gender. I could be wrong about that stat, but I think Mm -hmm. it's right. Which means that in all likelihood, your kids' friends, some of them are exploring gender. So providing a safe space in your home, using their correct name and pronouns, which are the ones that they give you, those things make such a difference in a kid's life again, that cannot be overstated. Mm, Thank you for that. And listeners, another thing you could do is use this podcast episode as a tool to share with families and people in your life and your community to broaden their understanding and perspective of the experience of a transgender non-binary person. So absolutely. Thank you for your work, Ray. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And always a great conversation. Yes. Well, and I always feel, you know, a little wobbly because I'm just really aware that I'm not aware of my blind spots. You're doing (laughs) great. So I don't want to step in the shit. Okay. Thank you. Oh, not at all. I mean, that's why we're here, (laughs) right? Is to let's dispel this fear and let's have really real conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't mind if someone who is definitely an advocate makes a mistake every now and then. That's how we all learn. That's okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. My final question, I asked you this last time, but now in the context of gender magic and this work that you're doing 
educating people in the celebration of gender exploration, what does joyful courage mean to you? Such a great question. This may be a little tongue in cheek, but I feel that it is the courage to be joyful, Mm -hmm. right? The courage to center joy, to center pleasure in your life as an act of resistance, you know, especially for marginalized folks and trans folks, non-binary folks, living your life and living your life with joy and pleasure and connection, that in and of itself is revolutionary. So to me, right now, that's what joyful courage means. Beautiful. Where can people find you and follow your work? Right now, my hub is Instagram, which you can find at the Ray McDaniel. That's Ray, R-A-E. From there, there's links to all of my websites and my mailing list, which I invite you to sign up for. And I invite you to grab a copy of Gender Magic. It's on Audible. It's everywhere books are sold. It's also a really wonderful conversation starter and way to stay connected to me. Yay. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Per usual, this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.